Have you tried Music to Code By yet? Well, why not? Here's a comment Joe left on the website. This is also great music to mow by. I like listening to music while doing yard work to help the monotony of it seem less tedious. This past summer, I started listening to these tracks while doing yard work, and they worked great! I could let the music play in the background without focusing on it, and it seemed to help me concentrate on getting through my tasks. Thanks, Joe. And you know, now you can download the entire 13-track collection. That's over five and a half hours of music to code by for only 39 bucks. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. Welcome to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, this is an interesting setup today. I'm at home and you're engineering. Yeah, I, you know, I engineer run-ads all the time, but I don't usually engineer .NET Rocks. Once in a while. But you remember ages ago, months and months ago, I, I got that 43-inch uh, 4K screen from Dell. Yeah, yeah. That's supposed to do the split screen thing. Well, I finally got the split screen thing wired up. Oh, so you have four PCs connected to it? It's actually three at this particular moment. So you oh, remember neat. those little A open machines I used to use through the, the, the bag we called uh, uh, secondary inspection? <laughs> right. So I, I re- pulled those old machines out. I haven't used them for their intended purpose for a long time. Put mm-hmm. SSDs in them, set them up as Skype hosts, right? So I can record you separately from our guest Ryan and, you know, ta-da-da-da-da-da, how we do yeah, that yeah, whole yeah. thing. Sure. So challenge, little challenges, those A-Open machines are actually DVI uh, video output. So yeah. that's how old they are. So I had to get DVI to HDMI cable. So I got two of those. Uh-huh. And uh, the screen will, will split four ways, but you can't choose what goes where, basically. It has sort of set layouts. And, oh. it, and it insists on having the big machine in the loop as well. So it, it changes resolutions when you do this, and it kind of upsets the machine. But I got mouse without borders working properly, so I just sort of dragged between these screens. And so, yeah, I got both Skype hosts running, and I'm uh, feeling very smug and proud this morning. That's very, very cool. Can you can you make any one of them go full screen at any time, or do you, are you stuck with the three? No. Uh, you, well, you can. You, you switch to full screen mode, and then you select an input. So you can oh, do okay. that, but it's just not as flexible as you'd hoped it would be, right? It's just yeah, that's interesting. sort of basic setup, but it's doing the primary task, which is allowing me to manage multiple Skype hosts. I really should set up a third one so I could go the full four way and, uh, and then, then we could have two guests plus a, a co-host and all recorded in yeah. isolation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. I have something for a better know framework that also has to do with screens. Oh, really? Yeah. So roll the music. All right, dude, what do you got? Well, you ever heard of the air bar? No, I have not. What is an air bar? All right. So many of us have MacBook Pros or MacBooks of one kind or another. And what's the biggest complaint about a MacBook? It's made by Apple. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? (laughs) That's not right. Okay, I'm sorry. I take that back. Uh, No no touchscreen. No touchscreen. That's that's the real issue with Macs, period. No touchscreen. Yeah, no touchscreen. Right, yeah. exactly. So this is a $69 product. And if you go to airbarpc.pwop.me or if you go to, of course, 1421.pwop.me or just www.air.bar, you'll see this $69 device that goes in the crook of your MacBook Air and essentially turns it into a touchscreen. But mm. not just that. You can use paintbrushes you can use pencils wow styluses how cool is that and looking at it, it looks like it's an optical uh solution so probably not great with mul- for multi-touch but uh but Macs don't have touch this is a solution this is a solution yeah, that's, that's right it's very cool all right i think i've seen them for pcs as well and i think i've seen them for macbook uh pros but i can't remember to tell you the truth this one right here is is for the for the mac air macbook air hence the name air bar 
Yeah. Love it. That's a cool find, man. Neat. I thought so, too. All right. Well, who's talking to us today, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1406. Do you remember 1406? Uh, it not that yeah. long ago. That's from NDC Lennon and Louise Elliott with Punishment Driven Development. Right. That which was, was fun. a very tongue-in-cheek name, admittedly, right? But A, Louise is a big pile of awesome. She, she totally, totally blew us away. And such yeah. a cool conversation. And the comments reflect that. I mean, people really being introspective about uh, uh, what, you, what you want from work, how you want to work, how to make work better, that, that whole right. thing. And this comment right. comes from Ama Sanchez, who said, this comment is .NET Rocks mug driven. Yeah, that is. <laughs> this episode makes me think of previous conversations that I've had with coworkers and friends about motivation at work. One of my friends, who is a software developer, said that his day-to-day motivation was to have something to say at the stand-up meeting. Yeah, mm. there's pressure, right? Yeah. The daily stand-up. For some other people, it is to bring home the bacon, just make some money. Uh, some people, it's to pay off a certain lifestyle. Okay, also make money. There are some other kinds of motivations that are going to be left unsaid here because I'm not aware of them. I do not feel bad about that, though, because when it comes to motivators, there are a myriad of them. As each individual right. has a unique life calling, it can be hard to make generalizations as to what motivates developers. And yes, Absolutely. developers are people, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that punishment as a one-size-fits-all motivational agent for organizations is only harmful if it is not taken into account the uniqueness of each individual and the diversity of his or her motivations. I'm sorry. Are you arguing that there are a certain group of employees that would be excited excited at punishment? Is that, <laughs> is that where you're going with that, Emma? You know, I, I have met such people I, who sort of thrive on drama. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I was going down more of the S&M's line, but let's not go there. Oh, okay, well. Yeah, what kind of punishment you, you were you looking for? You said it, not me. <laughs> but you're, I totally agree with you that there's certainly a group of folks that the nice thing about drama or crises is you don't have to think. Right? This right. sort of an immediate emergency. You see this in IT a lot. As long as there's a crisis, everybody knows what to do. And so you just stay focused on the crisis. Uh, as Who's opposed- getting thrown under the bus? That's the only question that most people want to answer. Well, they, and that one and just like, and you, and you always get to be a hero because we survived another crisis as opposed to right. more contemplative work or preventative work. Like, because the crisis is self-perpetuating as well. Sure. Anyway, I mean, we, we came out, it was Louise that came up with the punishment-driven development as a, as a session idea, which I thought was amusing, just to talk through uh, what it actually takes to build constructive teams. So, and I thought very relevant for today's conversation. So, Amma, you're right. Your .NET Rocks mug-driven comment has driven you to a mug. And so that mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And follow us on Twitter. Uh, He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. We flog ourselves with him. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway. Uh, let's introduce Ryan Stelly and get off of this line of thinking, shall we? Ryan Stelly is a software engineer and team lead working at Rally Health, building a consumer-facing digital healthcare platform. He splits his time writing C-sharp web APIs, tweaking React front ends, managing immutable infrastructure with Terraform, and writing enough hip chat bots to risk his day job. (laughs) He... We'll have to find out what that is. He also runs the freshly minted Rally Health Engineering blog at engineering.rallyhealth.com and frequently runs culture experiments to liven up the workplace. When he's not at work, he writes code, teaches other people to write code, and plays board games and couch co-ops with his partner. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no. Excited Thanks for to being talk here. to you, dude. It's going to be cool. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, so I work on the choice team at rally and our team has seen quite a bit of growth, uh, both in terms of people and code over the past two years. So kind of thought you guys might be interested in hearing some of it. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. A consumer facing digital healthcare platform. That sounds intriguing right off the bat as a user and a consumer of healthcare. And it's, and it's not so concise. So that's kind of tricky. So, so what I do on choice, um, is we kind of build a wizard basically for signing up for your employer offered benefits. So sign up for insurance, kind of a e-commerce. Do I want the HMO versus PPO? What are those things? Uh, So kind of, kind of turbo taxi taking a 90% of the 95% of the industry does, you know, stacks of paper 
um, where, you know, throw, throw a website on a complex business process and um, pe- people end up liking you a little bit. And, and just to be clear, this is the crazy American healthcare system. Describing, <laughs> to right? be, yeah, fair. The rest Very of us fair. out in the world are like, you do what? Right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's so nice to have a, a healthcare system that you can brag about. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. <laughs> Certainly not. But, you know, where complex systems lie, yes. important software is to de- be developed. Well, which I think is interesting. I mean, I would argue, you know, the, the counterpoint on the Canadian side is there's not a lot of incentive to innovate here. So you don't see an awful lot of, of cool technology. So I am interested in the sort of things you guys have been building. Also, you guys have a kind of a problem retaining good doctors, don't you? It's only because we have America the, next door. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about growth. Was this just because the healthcare industry is booming? Like what, what changed your team in the first place? Yeah, so, so Rally as a whole um, definitely grew quite a bit. Um, but specifically, Choice was actually a result of an acquisition of mm-hmm. a company called Spotlight back in 2014. And back then, we were about eight engineers. And so the, that, that acquisition, you know, further investment in the product, um, right now we're, we're sitting on almost 30. So that, that was kind of the main wow. driving is, you know, Oh, hey, uh, a company kind of wants, wants to develop this fully. And so you had a, a, a merger that brought in a bunch more developers uh, and probably a different culture as well. Like, it, was that, right. a, was that an issue? Absolutely. Definitely a different culture and, in fact, an entirely new stack. So um, us that work on the Choice product, we're 100% .NET running on Windows servers, hmm. while the, the rest of the organization is actually uh, Scala and Angular. Ah. Hmm. So. We got some. We got some pretty good, good dynamics there. But they're not mutually incompatible either. I mean, in the end, web front ends or web front ends. You can choose Angular. You know, pick your poison. But uh, this Scala introduces an interesting element in terms of hosting and stuff. Mm-hmm, for sure. So it it looks like you love React, and uh, I got to tell you, I've spent the last uh, few weeks working with React JS, and I also love it. We've been talking a lot about web components on this show, you know, when are we going to have real components? And I got to tell you that that's what React is. They're Mm -hmm. hierarchical encapsulated components that uh, just work. There's lots of them out there you can just drop in and work with. The thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is what's the relationship? Because React isn't necessarily a framework, although one might argue it is, but the relationship between something like Angular and something like React. React is extremely simple. It's only focused on the UI, but maybe you could just sort of, uh, you know, uncloud those things or unpack them a little bit where the, where the two architecturally meet. For sure. So, um, React, you know, the React file that you download from the CDN or NPM rather, um, is a view layer, how to present things. But what, what the React kind of ecosystem provides is very much in line with with what a framework like angular um kind of sets up for you in yeah. terms of you know your your data flow is is quite different so uh not that react prescribes it but the the kind of semantic way to build a react application is with a flux style ar- architecture which i think uh, the industry has kind of kind of settled on redux now um mm-hmm. but yeah so it's to, to us it's it's you know, we use React and you can kind of understand that, oh, yes, you use React and not Angular, probably. Yeah, that's what I was so thinking. We, Aren't these two mutually exclusive? Um, the React and, and Angular. Angular? Yeah. Um, so we actually built, um, we, we, uh, our old product was a MVC straight, you know, CSHTML views with some kind of hairy jQuery. Um, but a couple years ago, we were building up a new Greenfield app, mm-hmm. and um, we had a our first uh, front-end engineer hire, and the the story of that is that this engineer had worked on React and Angular and kind of liked React better. So, okay, front-end engineer that we've hired and has expertise, let's do that. So we use um, React exclusively for the choice product. So, yeah, okay. and, and now I'm thinking about you, you had a new team come in, right, as part of this merger and it, Angular Scala on the back end, and then you've got a new additional person coming in, you're going to introduce React. Does that mean you maintain the old app, build new app with new technology? Uh, yeah. So one of the, one of the more interesting pieces of our, of our MVC application, 
uh, we're we're relatively isolated from the um, from the Scala and Angular products. We're more dealing with our you know our .NET legacy applications, and you know moving those over to things like Web API and, and React. Mm. But one of the one of the interesting things we've done with the MVC uh, legacy application is that it has you know the the standard ASP.NET MVC, but we had a new UI we wanted to throw on top of that, and we had such good experience um, building the React application um, kind of for a, a standalone uh, application beside it that we wanted to leverage that new all all that expertise to build the new front end for our legacy MVC application. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Were these the MVC folks that were excited about working with React or were these the Angular folks working with React? The MVC folks. Okay. Which I just wonder if there's a good jump there, right? Because you think about the way you think about MVC and the isolation of views and stuff, and maybe that's a little more React friendly than the the approach that Angular takes. I think I think to just about anyone who's not worked with React, React is a pretty pretty uh hairy thing to jump in you know first <laughs> okay first taking a well, look at you it know, compared to what i found it much easier than getting started with angular which you know takes uh some serious ceremony let's face it you really have to understand um you have to understand a lot of things before you can just jump in with angular mm-hmm. whereas react i found if you've worked with javascript uh you know how to you know work with html and javascript it, it seems like a, a very easy to get started with mm, sure so I think maybe then just for me the uh, kind of the Redux flow um, was a mil- little bit mind-boggling the first five six times I had to have it explained to me before it clicked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's just a different way of working, right? Right, I and mean, React is UI only, right? It's it's really just concentrates on the UI, but these components have state, they have properties, and you know they can cascade, and uh, it's it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is Flux the bigger hit than React, Ryan? Um, I think for us, yeah, like we we could take any any view layer, like you know Vue.js, or even I saw a demo from a I think a Google engineer. I'll find the video, but um, using Redux uh, for web components. Oh, ah, which was very cool. You know, twenty minute demo. I accidentally didn't work for <laughs> for a few minutes. I was like, oh wow, that's that's pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I you, when it's yeah when somebody is that compelling, you just sort of stop. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Redux then. The I mean, we've just gone through a whole chain of technologies here. So it's yeah. sort of moving through this sort of new story. But what does it do to the team? Like you're merging two different cultures with different technology stacks and exploring more technology stacks. Is everybody getting along famously? Like thirty people. That sounds like three or four teams. Uh, yeah, so one of the one of the neatest parts about our team, specifically within Choice, is that we moved from a you know big bucketed big bucketed team. So within Choice, we had uh, SUP, which was dealing with security, uptime, performance, and then you know a feature team for both two of the big apps that we um, that we maintained. Yep. But we we had some difficulty. You know what what happens when a feature or a service that needs to happen crosses those boundaries between teams right mm. with different so big, and using different stacks um yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so what we kind of uh eventually evolved into was what we call strike teams um where essentially my coworker put it best instead of moving taking a project and saying oh what team does should this belong to uh, kind of these guys kind of these guys maybe split it um we're taking a people and moving them to a to a project or something oh okay um, so, so yeah. a little more cross training too you were working on angular let, let me introduce you to react like that that kind of mindset uh yeah especially um one of the one of the uh strike teams that i most recently worked on um i had you know never done any any devops of any sort uh outside of personal projects hacking together a web server on ec2 or something um but we had a pretty strong need to move to um, a new cloud provider and, you know, getting, making changes to our production environment and test environments and getting new test environments was pretty tricky and very, very manual process. Hmm. So you're lighting up a new project and you also decide it's time to move infrastructure as well. Like that seems like you're disrupting a lot of things at once. Um, So it wasn't necessarily building a new project and then change the infrastructure as well these were two separate efforts oh, okay but okay but, uh what we kind of 
came into that was okay here we need a team that's dealing with this big infrastructure move right um so okay this this feature developers you know finish their finish the feature they were working on and we need more dev like people that are familiar with the devops process let's throw them on this team for a little bit um or you know indefinitely until we finish the the effort we're on and mm-hmm. get a lot of experience doing all the you know terraform devopsy type stuff so you mentioned Terraform up top too. Should we talk a little bit about what Terraform is? Sure. Yeah. So Terraform is a uh, means of describing your cloud infrastructure. So it's very similar to uh, Chef, the way Chef handles what your how you want a individual uh, box to be configured, what services you want on it. Terraform um, it kind of abstracts describing what how you want your cloud to look like. So within Terraform, we can describe. Oh, I want this. Uh, load balancer. I want these types of instances in this load balancer, uh, and then con- different configuration about oh how many there, how many should there be? When should they spin up? This is my domain setting. Nice. All my networking. So very much stuff. bringing configuration as code independent of any given platform per se. Exactly. So it is. Um, it supports a lot of the different cloud providers. Um, there's you know different services. Obviously, some things exist. And the AWS that don't mm-hmm. exist in Azure and vice versa, but the the pattern of how the, what a Terraform file looks like, how Terraform manages manages the state of your infrastructure, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. very similar. But then, and this sort of opens to this is HashiCorp, but these guys have been like some of the original cloud guys from the very beginning. So I love this idea that you're now working with a tool. So now let's go try this at AWS. Let's go try this over at Azure. Like you could actually experiment with different clouds and see what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially the, one of the things that enables us is. Before, you know, we had QA1, QA2, QA3, like actual URLs for our different, you know, pre-provisioned QA environments. Well, right now, um, as of a few months ago, right. we can clone a project in Team City that deals with our, um, with our cloud provisioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, name it something like .NET Rocks. And after, you know, about 40 minutes of service provisioning, an entire... Um, infrastructure of our entire application stack is set up for me to test my feature ticket. Wow. And, and this is good automation anyway when you want to build out test environments and all those other things. But the fact that you're doing it in a way where it says I'm most of those toolings are very platform specific, right? You, you would you would do this for Azure. You're just doing it generically with Terraform so that you can run it anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. So the the there is there are some specifics about Terraform where you know the what what you call a load balancer in AWS isn't the exact same you would call it uh, for Azure. So yeah. your Terraform mm-hmm. code will look different for Azure and AWS, but the the patterns are there. The the you know how you configure it um, is very translatable. Yeah, when I think load balancer in AWS, I think CloudFront. That that it's, it's got its own specific capabilities. Are quite a bit different from the network configuration in Azure. Uh, so when I say uh, load balancer, I mean uh, the web server load balancer. Okay. Oh, okay. So for our web services, we have we have three of you know, we have three instances of this backend service, um, but we have one load balancer sitting on top of it. So one of them can go down, and then this is we 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 uh, we struggled to find some documentation on other you know .NET teams doing this, but uh, we are able to when our you know when a machine dies or something or the spot price uh, goes too low and that machine dies, we can spin up another instance get uh, that's pre-configured to have IS and all that stuff on it. It will register itself with Octopus Deploy, mm-hmm. which nice. then says, oh, I can deploy new software to that. And what did you want on that? Oh, that same configuration that you had as those other two? Neat. I'll throw that on there. And then it'll start spinning up. All the, all the while, the load balancer is continuing to try to ping that new server to say, has your status endpoint um, been green? Has your status endpoint been green? Oh, it is. Cool. Let's start sending it traffic. Nice. So when you were making these migrations, did you have sort of, um, let's say, I won't say pushback, but sort of uh, raised eyebrows, you know, well, let's see, let's see what happens. And, uh, you know, were, were the, the sort of doubters, if there were any doubters, were they uh, placated after things became much easier or what was the whole process you went through there people wise so i think there was there was a, there was a good recognition of the fact that having um manually provisioned type stuff 
was slowing us down. Um, yeah. And the costs were pretty hard to change with, you know, with that, like, oh, I guess we're, we need a QA box. Okay, well, let's buy a giant one for the year. Right. Um, so the, the, the buy-in was there uh, for those reasons. And additionally, the rest of the organization um, that, you know, Choice came into uh, was on AWS. So we had a reason to leverage a lot of the resources of other smart people in the organization. Mm-hmm. And since we deal especially with healthcare data, it's it's not so great to have two different two different security concerns. Yeah, sure. And I love that name SUP, right? Security uptime performance. That's that's mm-hmm. hilarious, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Cuz those guys are usually pretty serious, right? Like <laughs> but we uh, I've been in or I've dealt with organizations where security folks were looked upon as like productivity inhibitors, right? <laughs> they actually called uh-huh. them that. It's like, hey, yeah. here's the guy who's going to block my productivity by saying <laughs> no to everything. Right. So did you say your data was on premises or in the cloud or both? So all of our data is on RDS inside of Amazon. And that's the relational oh. database service where it's kind of a, a hosted uh, database. So it's SQL Server, but we don't have to worry about the actual operating system that the SQL Server lives on. Nice. So essentially that amounts to Amazon being our DBA. Well, wow. What's interesting about this is I talked to very few developers that actually are allowed to put their data in the cloud, you know, for HIPAA reasons or whatever. Yeah, so um, I, know, I know quite a few of the cloud providers. Um, definitely definitely Amazon, and I'm pretty sure Azure uh, do offer HIPAA compliance yep. and BAAs for uh, a certain subset of their services. So one, uh, like we, we were looking to, eva- uh, we were evaluating the simple queue service on Amazon. And as far as I can tell, that is not supported by, or is not uh, covered by their HIPAA assurance yet so that's kind of something that we have to evaluate or you know maybe just do a subset of sub, sub, subset of our messaging or you know uh, evaluate other solutions plus you're dealing with american healthcare data in american data centers so that that aspect of cloud concerns goes away too that's true mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting and and uh, something that people need to hear uh, it's the first i've heard of it but you know then again i haven't been writing medical software for the last 10 years it's <laughs> been a while <laughs> well Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? I must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time to read an auto-generated email I just got from my cloud provider. It reads, all your database are belong to us. Nice. (laughs) P.S. Resistance is futile. I don't know what that means. You know, that's some sort of HIPAA speak or something. I don't know. It's actually time to give away a DevExpress DeExperience subscription to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation, touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com superhero. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Wade S. Walker. I'm actually Wade. Golf clap yeah. for you, sir. Golf clap for Wade. And Wade just won the D-Experience subscription, a big pile of awesome from our friends at Developer Express, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you have to sign up to win. We also like to ask our guests, Ryan, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what do you think you'd be buying? Okay, so I know we're a few weeks out from CES, and I hope no one's still on this one yet. Um, but Razer, the guys that make the gaming computers, oh yeah, the really uh-huh. sleek gaming computers that you should... I don't know why you wouldn't buy one of those over a Mac. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so they, they had like a tech demo of this gaming laptop that had extendable screens that two screens came out of two sides. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. Nice. I, also, I also heard that at CES, it got stolen. The prototype was stolen. So what I would spend my $5,000 for is Razer 
uh, I think, put up a $25,000 bounty. No kidding. For, the, for information on the, on the ones that were stolen. Wow. The argument was, somebody did somebody just want them, or was it actually industrial espionage, right? Like, they were actually figuring out how they did it. Oh, man, I hadn't considered that. That's yeah. more nefarious than I, I could think. Yeah, it's. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll include a link in the show notes to this thing, the thing they call Project Valerie. It is, hey, it's obnoxious, right? Like, good <laughs> Lord. Three 4K <laughs> displays on your laptop. But, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it might break the budget at five grand, dude. That's a lot of money. Yeah. All right, so I'll take a I'll take a Switch, the, <laughs> the, the Nintendo. Oh, the new Nintendo Switch. Uh huh. Apparently, yeah, they apparently get up there if you if you uh, get all the accessories because yeah. it comes with one controller. So, yeah, could, could get a well 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 to do Nintendo Switch rig. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, the basic unit's only three hundred bucks or so, right? Like it's it's basically a, a PlayStation port, a PSP type device, but. I guess you can load it up. Have some fun with it. <laughs> cool, man. Good, good choices. And yeah, I'm. I I don't know that I would buy Project Valerie the triple display. Like it's uh, it's outrageous, but uh, it, uh, it really is. You know, at least somebody's doing something creative in the hardware area. <laughs> right. It seemed like it was they good. they did, they didn't. I don't think they said they had plans to actually make commercialize it's, it. It's all right. yeah. It's it's almost like a concept car, isn't it? Right. Right. You know. Maybe that's where we are with computers. We're finally at the concept car level. As you do this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really want to dive back into this because I think the cultural side of this conversation is really interesting to me. You know, you talk about re- you've refactored a lot of code and changed the way you write software, but it's got to have impacts on the team. Like this strike team idea, I love it. We did stuff like this at Strange Loop where we, we would move team members around, but different team members reacted to it differently too. Like some folks loved doing something new every quarter and others really disliked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we have some, we have a lot of flexibility and, you know, people definitely get a chance to learn a lot. I didn't know almost anything about Amazon before my, my tenure on the, mm-hmm. on the uh, DevOps team. But, you know, after a few months of that, it was slinging Terraform. People trusted me with production changes. Who after, are after you? Test, That's just crazy test. talk. <laughs> <laughs> But it is, under the hood, it's code. I mean, that's the thing that's interesting about right. stuff like Terraform. It really is a kind of code. It's just a different kind of code. So, yeah, there, there's definitely, um, I think, some people might be averse to um, to learning. But we we haven't had, you know, any, really any negative. The, the, only, the only negative, um, I would say, is that with more static teams, you have a lot better opportunity to gel as a team. Right. And stabilize, really. Um, so we do kind of a traditional scrum. Uh, we try to do short sprints from you know a week to two weeks. Mm-hmm. And even even with having short sprints, it's hard to tell. Like, are you on track? Um, what are you? Are you getting better? Are you getting worse? When you have you know teams that only live. So I ha- I was on a you know two person team for a month. Wow. And we delivered a project. So it was almost almost can't say what the what the actual you know, trending velocity of, of that team was um, well, if you were looking for something like that for long-term forecasting. Well, the fact that you delivered successfully is the b- ultimate best measure, right? Like some folks would argue right. it takes time to get a team together l- well enough to actually write good code. The fact that it, within a month you were done the project, well, what more endorsement do you want? How, I mean, the only question is, you know, how good is that code? Are you happy with it? Um, it, Will actually be that the thing I'm referring to is uh, going to be I think Rally's first open source project wow. on GitHub. Um, but uh, yeah, it's I mean it. So we have our we have our uh, strike teams have very strict acceptance criteria. So this team exists as long as this uh, initiative is not completed. Okay. We have bullet points for saying okay, we these are the steps to get there, but we feel like we can disband something if we have accomplished, you know, that project. And I love that idea. I mean, I think a lot of organizations really struggle with this idea that the team succeeded in delivering something. Let's give them something else because they were so productive as opposed to have the party and then reorganize, like let people go in different directions. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think there's enough, there's a celebration of ending a thing too, rather than just going on for forever. So the team I'm working on right now is actually 
Um, and it, we're porting one of our services to dot, 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 uh, .NET Core. Wow. Nice. Which, <laughs> Never heard um, of that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, and, and you're doing this in uh, Linux, right? Uh, yes. So that is, that is our goal. And, um, so that's, that's kind of on the nice to have checkbox, like actually deploying on Linux. Um, right. Um, so yeah, we we're planning as once we complete it, um, which we're looking, you know, a few weeks down the line, um, we, all of our sprint names have been themed, um, for the core 2003 movie with Aaron Eckhart and Hilary Swank. Yes. All of our sprint names. Oh, it was a terrible movie. Horrible movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what's funny, Richard? I, this is this is kismet or something. I was just watching a PBS Nova about them digging the crossrail underneath London. Uh huh. And you know they have those big subway tube drilling machines. Yes. And yeah. I kept thinking about that stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, let's take that thing that goes like you know is a multi billion dollar machine and digs maybe a foot an hour or whatever it is you know and and let's uh yeah let's make that thing go billions of miles an hour oh sure yeah suspend disbelief that's what my wife always says that's that's uh so all of our uh all of our sprint names are you know terrible science facts from the movies like <laughs> yeah. i don't know um so the ultrasonic laser oh my god yeah. i love it actually yeah. that's hilarious I'm, that's said, cool. Said the guy who named all of his servers after South Park characters. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've heard a lot of those. Uh, a guy that joined a uh, team, few people that joined recently said their um, their servers were all named after Muppets. No, wow, there's a ton of them, <laughs> and they could name dozens. So, speaking of culture, this must have been culture shock for your .NET guys and for your Linux guys, or are they all .NET guys who are learning Linux now? Uh, the guys that are working on the .NET Core port right now are .NET guys, essentially learning Linux. Right, because you've got wow. you've got to already have some Linux in your world if you're running Scala, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're we're again pretty isolated from the the operations of all that, but right. we've done mm-hmm. a few you know learning groups and everybody take this Coursera course at once. Let's learn some Scala so we can jump into the jump in the code base over there. So I'm interested in some of the changes that you made to the ways that you operate as, you know, refactoring the team as well as refactoring the code. What, what are some things that changed? Sure. So um, a few a few people, you know, we hadn't done traditionally a lot of pair programming, but uh, for a very small team um, that, again, had to deliver a you know pretty important project, they ended up pairing 100% of, of their project. Really? And they had mm. such great things to say. Mm-hmm. So we, we we tried to try to at least not enc- uh, enforce it, but you know suggest it, encourage it. How do you get past management on that one? Because well, you know there's an awful lot of non-developers who look at that and go, "We well, are having people's productivity when you pair." Right. I think, and I think we have you know more engineers than not in the office. <laughs> to be to be <laughs> blunt, right? So I don't, think, and that helps, right? And yeah. we do deliver, so... Yeah, in the end, you can do anything you want as long as you keep delivering, right? Right. That's the- So in our new office, we actually um, dedicated some spaces to um, just for pair programming, you know, full monitor setups, docking stations, and all that, and they are bookable as conference rooms. Okay. It's, uh, I'm, it's just a, a bigger desk so two people can sit side by side easily and the screen's, you know, a little larger? Like, what's different in the rig? So yeah, the we have an extra wide desk, um, room for two keyboards and two monitors. So we actually have one laptop mirroring the same thing for both people. So oh, whoever's driving, you know, takes the keyboard in front of them, hacks away. Okay. So you do you actually have two keyboards, but they're plugged into the same machine. Correct. Okay. So you don't have to actually move the keyboard back and forth, but if you both type it once, nothing good is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's that's a, that's a bit of a learning curve there. You can't idly mouse around. No, yeah, <laughs> that's a, the mouse is worse, right? You accidentally <laughs> click on something, and the guy's typing somewhere else now. Right? Chaos. Oh, that happens plenty. <laughs> so <there's laughs> a, there is a learning to getting comfortable with the rig, but we, uh, you've obviously done this. Like, what do you? What's the power of this? We've talked about it a bunch of times. I love your take on why is pairing work so well. Um, it really like you don't notice the the tiny um, mistakes you make 
a lot of the time right. until you, you've got mm-hmm. your test case set up and, all right, I got, got to click through these three pages to get to the thing that I'm testing. Oh, there was a typo, you know, six code files back. Right. Um, so even yeah. just those tiny things are worth having somewhere over the shoulder. Um, and then in addition to that, it also kind of enforces, like once, once you, have, you have somebody right there yep. looking at your work, not in a in a sense of like, oh, I'm, I'm nervous about this person, but more so like the, these are two people delivering something together. Yeah, you, you, so, you both have to succeed together. So, you know, exactly. there's no criticism necessary here of any kind. It's like we, we both live and die together. So we end up with pretty higher quality code, you right. know, better tested, um, right, r- both written tests and, hey, did we make that acceptance criteria? Oh, hey, I don't know. Let's go look back at that. Right. And then especially with our infrastructure changes, it gives us a lot more confidence. And It's just really interesting to get away from this metric of the number of lines code written is is the value proposition and into this stuff actually works and, you know, and has fewer problems and, it meet, you know, meets criteria. Like those are the actual measures mm. that matter. Mm. So I'm imagining the listeners are, are hearing this wonderful world of pair programming and strike teams and so forth. And the fact that you deliberately did DevOps, you weirdo. I, you must have some great support from senior management. Like, what what does that look like? How do I get to you to where you are? So one of the one of the biggest things that drove that, in my opinion, was probably the fact that the the choice team grew from the eight engineers that got hired from Spotlight, um, and to now two years later, the almost thirty people that work there. So a lot of that, you know, fell on those those engineers that you know built that product. Um, to really drive like this is these are the things that are successful. Right. This is what worked for us and owning you know the growth of the team. So it's it's been you know most most of the people managers um, are engineers themselves, but still write code. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Yeah. So they've been promoted from within. It also sounds like that core eight took the responsibility of having new people coming on board really seriously. Like, how are we going to make all these people productive? Sometimes right. it's easy to go head down. It's like I'm just going to write my code. You figure your stuff out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we took hiring very, you know, very seriously. Um, I'm not going to claim that hiring is perfect because it's probably the least, my least favorite part of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, very challenging. We've gotten very lucky to have, you know, just great people join. So, yeah, the, and then the investment in terms of, you know, education, the, the strike team does a great deal for knowledge sharing and fulfillment for sure. Um, as well as, you know, doing weekly brown bags of, here's a, here's a neat thing I learned this week, or, hey, I wrote this chatbot, here's how you can write one too. I yeah. think you mentioned chatbots, right, in your bio. <laughs> Is that actually a thing, or are you just dabbling? Um, so I've been toying with AWS's uh, new C-sharp support for AWS Lambda. Oh, yes. Nice. Those make it very easy to write, write uh, chatbots. I should say almost too easy. Scary um, easy. <laughs> right. So <laughs> so one of the more, one of the more popular ones um in in use has been, you know, we have we have conference rooms all over our office and they're not alphabetically named, so you know, every time I'm in a meeting, I essentially walk the line of all the conference rooms until I see the name of the one that I'm looking for. So I end mm. up, you know, like I, I we have the map on the wiki, but that's, you know, a seven clicks and knowing what the what to search for. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> seven clicks. clicks are evil. I know. <laughs> uh, now it's only two clicks to make a bookmark, but I'm I can't I can't be bothered with that. That's way too hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Planning so, in advance? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. So I just uh, threw up a quick uh, chatbot that in all of the uh, like location office rooms mm-hmm. where you can just say slash office map and just spits out a URL that is a picture of the of the uh, conference room map for that for that office. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but very dabbly too. I mean, to actually make that customer facing is is interesting and challenging. Like we're I'm watching chatbots pretty closely from a from a show perspective to say is, is this real? Is this, you know, show me the money. <laughs> show me a project that people are really depending on, not not playing. I'm with. more interested in AWS Lambdas with C Sharp. And from what I understand, and I haven't used this, but an AWS Lambda is essentially like an Azure function. They're just a, a pure function without any kind of server or anything that you just yep. write in the cloud. That's correct. And so one of the reasons, you know, I 
chose that is because I don't have to worry about hosting the actual, you know, it lives in my account. So, uh, or I'm sorry, it lives on the, on the AWS account, but I don't have to worry about maintaining or updating a server or anything. Right. Uh, and, you know, it costs almost Much nothing. Less. I think it's a million, mil, million um, gigabyte. They, they do it by like time, memory consumption per second, but it's essentially yeah. free unless it's a real product. Right. Wow. And now it's in C Sharp, but how much of the .NET framework do you have available to you there? It is running in a .NET Core runtime. Wow. Sweet! Yep, so you can pull in all the packages that you want. Um, you can, are there .NET Core compatible? Uh, let's see, you can pull in the uh, AWS DynamoDB package um, to, you know, talk to uh, the DynamoDB client to write out some, di- some quick data. Wow. Pretty sweet. That's cool. All right. We're, what we're, is yeah, what man. is ball on chair? I see this in your notes here. <laughs> this is something that you guys do in your team. Yes. Yeah, so the the rules will be up on the on the engineering blog um, by the time this airs. Uh, so ball on chair is a is a game that we like to play on beer Fridays after retro, <laughs> and the as you the do. objective. Oh, sorry. As you do. Beer As, Fridays. I love that. <laughs> um, so ball on chair um, is played with a office chair, a foam ball, and a ThinkPad docking station. You know those things you plug in your computer to? Right. right. The objective is to throw the ball from behind the docking station and have it land on the chair without falling. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I could see this absorbing a lot of time. That's the, the perfect <laughs> it is. Cost. It is a major engineering initiative. <laughs> is the chair moving across the floor while you're trying to get it in the basket, so to speak? It is beautiful in its simplicity, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem that hard. It just actually is. It must be a pretty big docking station. When I think of a docking station, I think of something small on my desk. I don't think of like a big barrier or an obstacle that. Oh, it's it's just the uh, the line marker, right? It's what we had lying oh, around, I see. so it became official. The official line. So it's marker. a simplified version of shooting hoops without any particular gear. Just uh, what's laying yes. around the office. Creatively resourced shooting hoops. Yes. <laughs> Most people get um, Nerf guns, but okay. <laughs> and it is it is hosted um, at Barmafandis, which is one of the top-rated bars in Chicago, which is actually, it's a secret, don't tell Yelp, um, it's actually just an office cube that we put on Yelp, and then everyone rated it well, so it shows up on Google Maps. It's on <laughs> Untapped. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It's a bar. This might have been the best three minutes of .NET Rocks ever. Right <laughs> okay, so I have one more, one more bullet about that. Okay, there are reviews that are not from us, from people trying to find Barmafandis. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could charge money. You really could. <laughs> You meet another location, I'll take you to Barbafatis. It's very exclusive. So I think you ought to expand your game-making prowess into Yelp, using Yelp to create <laughs> fake things and uh, and use Yelp to create a game where essentially you try to collect as many bad reviews as you possibly can or just confused <laughs> reviews or reviews in general from having fake uh, <laughs> places. That's awesome. Oh, that could burn hours and hours and hours. Well, what's on your to-do list, Ryan? What's in your inbox? So my inbox is um, managing the engineering blog at Rally. Um, and then I'm hoping um, to write a series of blog posts um, about using uh, serverless with C Sharp um, yeah. to build hip shots, uh, Alexa skills, yeah. and, and all types of stuff. Yeah, wow, very, great. Very cool. I yeah, think. I'm I'm interested in a um programming Alexa. I got one of those stupid Echo dots and I'm uh 
I'm looking. I, I'm just looking to waste my time when I have time to waste using using that kind of stuff. I am. I've fun. got one sitting on the desk over here. I'm thinking I'm going to control the new lighting system with it. That's. I nice. really want to be able to walk into my office and say lights and lights turn on. Yeah, it is. You'd be surprised how simple it is to to route a bot using C sharp. That's yeah. that's been the blocker for me. That is uh, that is really something. Right. Cool. 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 Well, Ryan, thanks a lot. It's been uh, great talking to you, and it sounds like you've got a, a great forward-looking company and uh, a great team, and um, great. Yeah, I can't I can't say enough good things, and it's it's also good to hear the details of how you guys managed to uh, make the transition. Thanks a lot for talking to us. Yeah, thank you guys. All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a